What's up, y'all? You're listening to The Goat Rodeo, a podcast about how to do life, family, travel, and small business all on your own terms. Let's get to it. Yeah. So what's up, Jared? Thanks for joining us on the Goat Rodeo, man. We're excited to talk to you uh, just about your life and your family and your business. Um, so first off, just tell us a little bit about what, where you are, who you are, what your name is. It would probably be included in who you are. Not like I'm a Gemini. Starting out with all the hard questions. My know, name right? is... Did you write it on Jay paper Diggity. so that you don't forget? Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. So Jared Gant here, uh, based out of northern colorado at the moment born and raised in florida jared you're gonna have to back up i can't handle that much of your face <laughs> i'm like this this monitor needs to be pushed forward i feel like that's what it it's, is that's what it is there, that's so much I've been sitting there editing on it so i've been only like 15 inches away from it anywho uh raised in florida came out to the west in like the early 2000s and uh, fell in love with the mountains and kind of the culture out here and have been out here ever since yeah and yeah have a family of two kids, two little kids, a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. Nice. Yeah. What's your wife's name? Good. What's your wife's name? My wife's name's Bryn. Bryn. You guys Bryn. knew that though. Oh yeah. <laughs> we do now because that's what your your webcam kept saying every time you clicked on it. Hey, it's Bryn is talking. No, she's not. We're talking to Jay Diggity now. She's talking to Jay Diggity. <laughs> uh, here, we can rename it again. Jared. There we go. It was fine. <laughs> Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> um, so you do wedding photography mostly? Yeah, pretty pretty much exclusively. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what got you into photography? Um, so I always loved photography at a younger age, but never really considered it as a career path. Went yeah. through yeah. college and did the whole business degree thing and uh, started a traditional desk job. And about two or three years after college, sitting at a desk, uh, you know, I just crunching numbers and whatnot, just realized it was not what I had hoped it would be. And uh, my wife finished grad school and uh, we moved to Colorado. And when that happened, it just opened up an opportunity for me to pursue this full time yeah. versus yeah. it just being like an interest or a hobby. And so that was back in 2012 when we moved to Colorado. And at that point, I just said, hey, give me give me one year to see what I can make out of this and let me pursue this for one year. And if it sucks and I'm not doing it, not enjoying it anymore, then I'll go back and, and get that that job that I'm supposed to have. Uh, but after one year, I was in love and, you know, uh, the income was there and, and the, the, the business was growing substantially enough that that we stuck with it. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, so what did you do? What was your desk job? What did you go to? I mean, I assume when people say like, I went to school for business is what they meant was I had no freaking clue what I wanted to do. So I got a degree that was like, well, if nothing else, I'll do business. Cause there's lots of that, right? You can wear your business socks. So I did international business was the emphasis that I did. And the only reason I did that is I, I speak Spanish. And so I was able to get through that degree even quicker. I took, uh, I was able to test out of like a year and a half worth of, 
with college so I could oh, get cool. through it oh, quicker, cool. which was awesome. Uh, if I took that, that, uh, international tract and yeah. then, yeah. um, I did PCI compliance, which is basically credit card security. Uh, so basically calling small businesses and banks and things like that and making sure that they understand and are upholding those, those, um, those requirements that Visa has for them. And I was handling international accounts. So it, while my wife was going through grad school, I was working super early mornings and then coming home at like one or two in the afternoon, uh, high fiving her as she would run out the door and, yeah. and yeah. go to grad school. And, and I did that for a couple of years. Yeah. That seems fulfilling. Yeah. I can't imagine why. I mean, it's like, sounds like <laughs> dream job situation. It was pretty, I mean, at the time I didn't realize the time I, I kind of hated it, but at the same time I was like, dude, I'm making like 22 bucks an hour or 27 bucks an hour or whatever it was. And I was like, woohoo, feeling so good about it. Uh, our first job out of college, you know, feeling, feeling like I was, uh, hitting the dreams, but, um, but yeah, that, that, uh, that died real quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that went away. It was basically, and I think a lot of desk jobs are like this, a lot of jobs, it was basically a really glorified telemarketing job is what it was. Mm. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like you're bitter about it. So mm. that's good. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so had you had any entrepreneurial experience or like anybody in your family that ran their own business or anything like that before this? Yeah, so absolutely. So when I was 11, 12, right around there, um, my parents got divorced and I moved in with my grandpa and he um, definitely instilled that into me. So at that really young age, uh, I started my own businesses of doing lawn landscaping. I'd go around to all the people in the church uh, group that we were in, the, the church community we were in, and pick up jobs trying to mow their lawns, as well as I delivered at like 100 and, 158 newspapers that I delivered at that time. So even at a very young age, um, I was hustling and trying to do what I could to make money. Yeah. My grandpa at the time um, encouraged me to save all of my money or as much as I could. So I was hoarding a ton of money. Um, and, and he told me, you know, when you graduate high school, I'll match what you have saved. So that was always in the back of my mind Dang. that, Hey, Dang. if I can have all this money saved up when I graduate, that's what I'm going to get as a, <laughs> and he was like, ah, I might have like a couple hundred bucks. You're like, uh, I have $27,400 grandpa. He's like, yeah, when I graduated high school. So I was emancipated my junior year in high school, became a legal adult and moved out and got my own place. Hmm. And, um, and so when I graduated high school, I'd already worked full time for a year and a half. My junior, wow. halfway wow. through my junior year, I started working full time. Um, I would, I would uh, leave school at noon. Class ended at twelve fifteen, but my teachers knew of my situation, so I would leave at noon and go work from noon to nine every day, five days a wow. week, um, both my junior and senior year. So I didn't actually have a really awesome high school experience because I was working so much, but at the same time, I learned how to work and how to, you know, as like 14 year old, I pulled out like my first CDs and started investing money wow. um, and, and doing things. And that I contribute a lot of that to my grandpa and the yeah. time that I spent yeah. with him. He was just a hard worker um, his whole life and went through a lot of those, the, the, the depression, a lot of financial changes in, in the country. And so he, mm -hmm. he was all about just getting up and getting to work and doing what you have to do. Yeah. Well, money management is a skill set that needs to be taught more. I was just going to at a young age. Yeah, I was just going to say, spoiler alert, like nobody really has all that great of a time in high school. So, I mean, some people do. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, but I don't really know anything. So I'm screwed. Um, yeah, I it's a uh, <clears throat> you said 
you said something oh that you said early on like i i try to think back like you know what what was it about me that kind of like gave me permission or like i really wanted to pursue like doing my own business and both i did both of those things too is like one of my very first jobs i remember having is like i wanted jordans like jordans were the the shit when i was a kid they were all that and my parents were like you're absolutely your damn mind you think i spent a hundred dollars on shoes and so i was like okay so i mow yards and i get ten dollars a yard i have to mow 10 yards and it was like i i never at that point really thought about it but like thinking about it now is like i was i was designing my own income you know it's like i had this goal of what i wanted and like i was i had every opportunity if i wanted to mow th- a thousand yards i could have mowed a thousand yards what happened was is i mowed like five or six and i was like you know i want to I want these baseball cards. And I was like, so I didn't ever buy my own Jordans, I, but I did contribute to their purchase. So, um, so my uh, very first big purchase um, was us 10 years old and I wanted a BMX bike. I wanted a mongoose, yeah. picked it out, yeah. knew the one I wanted. Um, it was like two or 300 bucks. It was a fair amount of money at the time. My parents said, buy it. If you want it, buy it. So I would go into the, I was going into this bike shop like daily and the, the owner knew that I wanted it. And so he set up a layaway plan for me. And so every single dollar that I earned, I would run down to the bike shop and I would give it to him and just slowly That's paid cool. off. It took, cool. it took me almost a full year <laughs> to mm-hmm. pay for this bike. That's so cool. Um, That's so cool. But, but that was a huge lesson for me because I knew if I held on to that money that like you said, you'd buy cards or go buy candy or whatever it might be. And so um, that was the very, that was my first like almost savings account. My first yeah. time. Yeah putting my money away towards a goal, yeah. uh, which yeah. was this this mongoose villain, dude. I remember <laughs> it so clearly. It was the coolest bike ever. I bought it, and six months later, someone stole it. I was just going to say, how long was it before somebody stole it? Dude, that, oh, that happened to me, too. Chop, chop. It was locked up at school and came out, and the freaking bike rack was cut in half. I swear to you. <laughs> oh. I, had, dude, I had a bike like that that I, I had gotten these uh, metal uh, mag rims from. That like it was so cool, and I had sanded them all down and painted them. I had taken my bike off, taken the frame off, taken the chain off, and I painted it all custom paint. Wicked cool rims, and it, I had it for almost another month before somebody <laughs> walked off with it. I've had so I probably went through about five of those exact same bikes as mongoose villains, um, and every single one got stolen. And so probably about 10th grade, I was like, all right, dude, I'm done. I got to stop buying bikes. I'm bumping up to a car. I'm going to buy a car. No one will steal a car, right? (laughs) Yeah, which is funny. And then six months later. (laughs) My first car. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, like, I I can't think of, like, maybe a handful of things in my entire life that someone has either damaged or stolen, but that was one of them. It was, like, something I had worked so hard on fixing, taking care of, Saying I had this similar, not stolen, but like I bought this truck. I put a new engine in it. I, I had never put an engine in a car. Like I put a brand new engine in it. I took all the brakes and rotors off. I put all new brake line. It was a piece of crap. But like when I got it to the point where I was like getting ready to paint it, some lady like T-boned me and gas is spilling mm-hmm. everywhere. And they're like, yeah, they're like, so this worth, this truck's worth about $800. And I was like, awesome. Let's just set it on fire then. Oh, that's that's funny. only that's as funny. much as you put in it last. Funny month. how things work like that, huh? <laughs> um, well, so we we both kind of know you through the photography community, but we we were talking earlier. It was like we don't know a ton about you, other than I know that you had uh, quite a bit of a background in the uh, motorcycle industry, um, and and so I know that you. I want to talk a little bit more about that and some of the stuff that you kind of learned through that. That's that's really pushed you in the business you do now. 
Why don't we get to know him a little bit more through the Full Truth 5? Sounds like a good transition. And then we can dig more into that, Chad. It's almost like it was set up. Right? I thought that's where you were going with it. Well, I didn't want to say it. Thanks for making it obvious. Um, so we do this segment we call the Full Truth Five, Jared. Uh, basically, we just ask you five random questions. Um, some of them are serious. Some of them are funny. Some of them have no bearing on life whatsoever. They're just your opinion. Um, so we'll just kind of bounce back and forth. Try not to put too much thought into it. Is like these are not. I, I will say people will not judge you based on your answers. What happens after that is not up to me. <laughs> people may. This is the internet, after right, all. People, everyone people will, will judge, judge you. you. They may comment about it. But don't take that personally, because we still love you. <laughs> uh, so what was it? What was the first concert you ever went to? We'll start with an easy one. Softball. Uh, first concert would have been, let me think. So first big concert would have been Green Day. Ah, nice. What record? Oh, man. So it would have been around 2001-ish. So what record would that have been? I don't remember. 2001 was probably, oh, 2001. Was that Dookie? No, that, that was in like the nineties. After that, because it was it was with um, Jimmy Eat World. It was with um, oh. Blink as well. Jimmy Eat Jimmy World, man. World, man. We're just going We're right just back, going to right back to high school. It was a good concert. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's one. a great concert. That's a good. I mean, you set the bar. That's a good one. What about you, James? All right. <clears throat> what my first? Yeah, concert? what was your first concert? No, no, God, no. I don't even want to say it. Yes, you do. Like. Like first, like first big concert, yeah. Creed. <laughs> That's awesome. I was what? This was like high yeah. school, right? 90s. I went with. <clears throat> I went with a bunch of friends. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me, man. No, no, no. I'm saying they were not your friends. Uh, <laughs> we do not call those people friends. Yeah, so we just went as a, a large group. Those and, people did not like you. You know, you know. At the time, I thought it was awesome, but God, I, I think back and just like. Mm. But after that, did you stand like I this? I started going Scott to Warp Tour, and my open? life changed. You sing like this with arms wide open. See, I never really got that, but it was my first concert. Like so first like real big concert yeah. so to see the whole show like all that stuff was really cool i was never like a huge creed fan yeah. but was it at least was there at least a good opening band or, or anyone else there Dude, i don't even remember um i rough rough start i i mean i i went to warp tour that summer and like after totally that i went to yourself. every freaking warped yeah and totally, totally redeemed redeemed myself, myself. <laughs> i went to warp tour for like the next 10 12 years straight so i feel like hopefully i made up yeah. for it um i don't know that i went to a single concert that wasn't like um at some christian teen festival until i was in my 20s and then i ended up working at a venue in my college town and we had like every hardcore band that was existing came through there because it was a huge venue. The Midwest is massive on hardcore. So like uh, we had like um, uh, Blindside played there and like, oh, Jamie, what's the band that we talked about? Zayo. 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 No, Zayo never played there. Um, but <laughs> oh, uh, tr- uh, the, the Chariot played there. You remember the Chariot, Jamie? Yeah. The dude yeah. chucked the microphone. He, he like, when he got there, we're setting up stuff. He's like taping, like gaff taping his microphone to his cord. And I'm like, man, this guy's really concerned about safety. Well, I know why. Is he, we had these 
like the sound rails or light rails hanging above the stage halfway through part of the song he like chucked it like 20 feet up and it wrapped around and he's like holding it like hanging on it i was like this is awesome and i hope that doesn't break (laughs) (laughs) so i i my most of my concerts my original concerts were which is funny because i didn't really listen to hardcore uh, hardly at all until i went to college and then i was like it was just so passionate it's like i tell people all the time i grew up the two tapes that were in my tape deck were Garth Brooks and uh, Tupac Greatest Hits. Those are my two, right? Right? Yeah, I had Tupac's Greatest Hits and and Garth Brooks were like my two tapes that like consistently went back and forth in my tape deck. And I can probably sing the lyrics to all of either of those. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I did not ever see Creed in concert. Yeah, I don't even so. know that I ever owned a Creed CD because you know I like myself. <laughs> all right so moving on i am so movie glad we... we do this podcast <laughs> i'm exposing uh, myself whoa what put your pants what back movie on. would be better if you made it Bro, into a musical you asked the last one no i asked the last one you're just I'm you asked i'm just excited one. Bro. that's the next one what what movie would be better if you what what movie would be better if you made it into a musical Ooh. Let's see here. Be fun movie. Better. Uh, Let's uh, let's turn Rocky into a musical. Mm. I think they did. (laughs) Did they? No. No. What are you talking about? (laughs) I don't know. But Rocky (laughs) is pretty. I mean, you got you got the good music in there. It's pretty classic. Yeah, but but they don't sing. sing, I mean, that's the musical. I think would make it better, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, you want to see like Rocky Rocky Four. With Ivan Drago, you got to go Rocky yeah, Four for sure. He's like a he was like a real life GI Joe, like he looked like a GI Joe character in real life. Yeah, and Sylvester Stallone got shredded in that one too. Yeah, was, yeah, they yeah. both were. Just Sylvester mad. Stallone is still shredded, and he's like ninety seven years old. He's a beast, although he looks slightly like melted plastic. But that's a totally different subject. Um, hopefully, he's not listening to this. <laughs> Guarantee he's not. Uh, I think think we're good. Somebody may know him. Uh, So, what's a word? What's a word that you know how to spell that you always misspell? Like you know how to spell it, but you always misspell it. For whatever reason, the word "who" I always start it with an H. I don't know why, and then I have to pause and be like, "No, no, 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 wait, that's a totally different thing." I write "how," and then I'm like, "Oh, no, 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 wait." How is this? What? What'd you say to me? But let me be honest. The vast majority of any communication through text or on Facebook or anything is just me talking to my phone and hoping that I got it right. And oh, any- dude, nine—I swear, if you just recorded what I type to people, sometimes it would be its own little like podcast because my phone has severe learning disabilities; like it cannot hear. <laughs> or I have the other issue is when I have my headphones in um, and I'm talking. This is where my microphone goes on my headphones. Um, like right here under my beard. <laughs> so I have to like pin it together and put it up on top of my beard because otherwise it hears like <laughs> it hears like crazy stuff. I'm like, I didn't say anything about the temperature of a piece of toast. Like, what are you doing? No clue what what I was talking about a photography session. Ketosis. That's one I I say a lot is ketosis, like talking to people about keto and it's like, it types out like key toss us like toss T O S S us. And I'm like, why would you ever think I said key toss us? I have no idea. 
It's just the way you speak, man. Apparently, beard speak. Beard speak sounds differently to my phone. Um, I have to literally say out loud, bus I nuss every time I spell business. <laughs> bus I nuss. Like when I spell it in my head, I have to say, bus I ness. Bus I ness. Bus. Well, you Jared, know, hey, Jared, get down to Jared, business. I watched, bust on us. <laughs> Jared, I watched that video that you posted on Facebook. Um, if the English language were spoken phonetically, phonetically. like make your brain hurt. Oh, that was incredible. I laughed. So I don't know hard how many that. times they had to do that. To it's so difficult to speak that way. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was and I love that they didn't say we're going to like now pronounce it. You just is like, why is he pronouncing that? So weird. And like <laughs> continuing, continuing to add in over just and over layer after it. layer. I was just like, holy crap, this guy's a genius and a psycho all at the same time. Right. <clears throat> all right. Is it my Your go? go? What would be the creepiest thing you could say while passing a stranger on the street? <laughs> I love this question. I like how you're going into that creepy space in your brain. You're like, hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really trying. I'm trying to think what, what level of creepiness. Uh, full out, like 100% scared to death creepiness. creepiness. Oh, I don't know. Goodness. I, I mean, there's if it's complete stranger, even the simplest things could be quite creepy. You like know? what? Um, well, nice pants. Nice pants. Nice pants. <laughs> anything like that, right? You can just look at him and just make straight eye contact with him and Ask him if he has a banana. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that you could say that would just, just you know, take it to the wrong place. And just leave it at that. Not like, do you have a banana in your pocket? Like, do you have a banana? <laughs> Phil, one of my friends, Phil, we were at a, a buffet one time and he was like, you want to see the most awkward thing I know? And I was like, yeah. He said, maintain direct eye contact me while I, with me while I eat this banana. And he didn't like do it weird or anything. He just like, like looked right directly in his eyes. I was like, I can't do this, bro. I can't. I feel awkward. I feel slightly dirty. And it's, it's not happening. Yeah, that's what you do. You just, you just look across the room. You find someone, and then you just slowly. <laughs> you can't do the eyebrow thing. You can't do the eyebrow thing. That makes it weird. Who eats a banana like that if nobody's watching? <laughs> That's what you do. Next time you next time you're on a next time you're on an airplane or something, you just pull out a banana and you just find someone and just start staring at them and then wait till they look back and then that's when you pull the banana up. I'm going to totally have to take your word for it. Uh, Dude, you need to do it the next time you're on a plane, Chad. You add just that to like, our list of weird things. Look across the aisle to the first Excuse person. me. And then give them the what's up. One of those, huh? <laughs> There's so many things, and that is definitely on the list of creepy things you could do. Uh, that is good. We one. had one of our one of our guests said anything whispered. <laughs> I think. I mean, there's obviously like actual creepy things, but I think it actually takes it to the next level when it's not necessarily creepy. right. Right when it's just awkward, uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I need to wash my hands. <laughs> Hmm. All right, Chad. You got one more. Um, we've got such a good list of things that we keep adding to them. Uh, oh, dude, I love this, and I really want to know because you're, you're. I think you enjoy it. Would you rather be able to never trust your friends or never trust your farts? 
<laughs> and and talk to the reasoning. Talk through it because this is where it gets good. Okay, I think pros I and cons. Never. And cons. I, I'm going to say yeah. never trust a fart because if I'm being honest, like I'm eating, I'm drinking bullet coffee right here. Oh yeah, so you're already in it. If yeah. I had to fart, like I, I would probably go sit down. <laughs> like if I'm, uh, so I'm already almost to that point because I, you know, I do this bullet coffee every morning, a tablespoon of the MTC oil, and if I'm not careful, you know, you, you could have some, uh, uh, you, you could have some accidents. So, so what? So you you drink what? What's it called? Uh, I just call it bullet coffee. Bullet it's, coffee, and it and it's what? What is? It's because of your diets, right? Your nutritional. It's uh, the way I do it is I do just black coffee with a tablespoon of. MTC oil. MCT. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, what did I say? It's MT. It, it's MCT oil. It stands for medium chain triglyceride. It's basically like the middle parts of coconut oil. You said MTC. It's not a big deal. I was just letting people know what it is. I'm glad you corrected it. Uh, and then I do a, a <laughs> tablespoon of full heavy cream and then uh, just a few drops of, of uh, like liquid stevia. So like a tablespoon of lube, some cream and, and coffee. <laughs> yeah. And I do about two or three of those between... Six when I wake up and about noon every day. Get you going. <laughs> yeah. So I'm already so so really it's not much of a difference from what I'm already experiencing in life. So, so you're good to go. So he ha- he doesn't have to answer that question as a as a as a hypothetical is what he's saying. Yeah, I've, I've already made that decision. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's classic right there again there's so many times in my life that i say i'm glad we're recording this all right and thank you for listening to today's episode of the goat rodeo (laughs) sponsored by (laughs) charm and obviously to go back to your question did you have to have to have people that you can rely on and trust so friends you you You'd never want to give that up. I mean, the way it's written, it says, would you ever, would you rather never be able to trust your best friend? Yeah. Ooh, a single person. Hmm. Best friends come and, I mean, they kind of, you'll have a best friend for a year or two and then you get another, at least that's my experience because I've moved around so much that, you know, some of my best friends from high school I haven't spoken to in five years. Well, so those are what we classify as friends. Best friend being the category reserved for your best friend. My kids and I have this conversation all the time. They're like, oh, this is Chase, my best friend. I'm like, who's Chase? I've never met him in your whole life. She's like, oh, we just met. And I'm like, you can't. So just start saying this. Just saying Chase is my friend. Chase is a friend that I like. Because you can't. it's like saying, like, this is the best food I've ever had. I'm like, how many foods have you had? You're like, is it always going to stay the best food you've ever had? Like, this is my best friend. Yeah. Okay. Enough of that. That's just soapbox we don't need to be on. <laughs> Sounds like a sensitive subject. No, no, right? Yeah, it's not really. really brought something out it's, in chat. It's tonight. not really. It's just one of those things. It's like I have a lot of little pet peeves, and those—that's one of them. Um, so that was our fifth question. You have so, you have completed the gauntlet. I feel like we need so like a, we need a buzzer now. or like a like an award that like the top banana award comes up. <laughs> Q sound. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about uh, no. um, it, that helps us, I think, gives us a very diverse insight into your psyche, Jared. I'm glad about that. <laughs> Do you want me to go get a banana real quickly? Uh, he moves around a lot. Doesn't he moves around have a lot. Friends and for a long time. A Possibly shits himself <laughs> on the reg. <laughs> Which he has no control over. 
<laughs> All right. Just kidding. He left his shitty job in the corporate world for a shitting job at home. Dad jokes. Uh, yeah, right. I'm going to get an actual symbol like so I can. It'll be my thing. Is this the this is probably an issue having three dads here in the yeah. conversation I where mean, not an issue. It's just it's not an issue. It's it's like it's called a power trio. It's like Captain <laughs> Planet. Jokes. Captain Planet, everybody put your fists in towards the middle of the screen, right? <laughs> Where's the middle? There it is. <laughs> Jamie, in the middle of the screen where we can touch. Up, up. Oh, Where's yours is in a different place than mine. That's probably why. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are, what is wrong with you? Are you spatially challenged? Like, what's in the, mine, isn't like, the middle like of the Jamie, screen? Like me and then Jared underneath. So mine, I shrunk it so that I could be doing, I, I did a half screen on mine. So uh, it, mine are actually one, two, three, uh, one above oh, another. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, 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 see. <laughs> We're all like, man, where is this? <laughs> it's, it's like looking in the mirror and trying to, to comb that side here. of your hair. It's like, where are you? Is it? Is it up here? Have you guys seen the thing where you you do the thing with your finger, like flip it upside down or whatever? Dude, my kids do that. No, all no, no, the no, time. no, 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 no. This is oh. <laughs> this soccer player did this thing. So it's it's this like it's this like circle through the you look. It's hard for my hands to even do it, but like you look through what? it. You look through it like this, right? So it makes like an. So try to do that, but make a make a circle with your finger. And then like turn it upside down on your hand and watch you be totally <laughs> what do you what do you it, so your fingers go across your face and you make like this loop that you look through not at all your fingers have to be upside down so make a circle with your finger and then put it up against your face but flip your fingers over this is going to be the best He's this is going to be the best part he of the looks, podcast he looks exactly like you do no Flip your fingers up into your hand. So this is what? what you're doing. This is what you're doing. Okay. Flip your thumb up and look through it. Okay, hold on. See, I know, right? It seems so simple. And you watch people do the tutorial or whatever online. And like, they just go like this. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Like that? Am I kind of doing no, that? No, you're not even close. <laughs> But here's the thing. It's like it's right, that's that's on. that's what's funny is like you do all this stuff and it's like you just you're spatially challenged. Like you watch somebody do it, you're like, oh, that's easy. How, how <laughs> what are you how what are you what part are you looking through? Like yeah. That was a long explanation and that was three of yeah, us looking like total idiots. But that's why we record it. <laughs> no, don't cut that. <laughs> Because everybody right, well, who hasn't on. seen it is going to be like, what's that? And all the people who have tried it are going to be like, yeah, I tried. I I sat looking in my, my my mirror for like 10 minutes looking like a complete moron. So tell us about the motorcycle community, Jared. Oh, all right. So what'd you do? Uh, so I was when I quit it, I was president. I ran the whole thing. President um, of what? President of what? He was just the president. Right, I was the president. Oh, <laughs> so it was a community day. that originally, when I uh, originally started out, called Vulcan. Let's see, it was originally called Kawanau, Kawasaki Owners Worldwide, um, and then uh, it turned into Vulcan Bagger Association, and it was um, basically an online community 
of uh, riders that rode the Kawasaki Nomad and Vaquero and all their big cruiser um, bikes. And uh, I started riding those back in, oh, I don't know, 2006-ish, 7-ish. Uh, bought my first big old bike and um, joined. It was just a forum initially that I found and just joined, you know, Googling like, hey, how do I change the oil or something? I don't know how I initially found it. Just a basic search and yeah. and yeah. created a forum um, profile and just started hanging out on there during my dead time and, you know, before – I mean, Facebook was around, but it wasn't as big of a thing. This is back when forums were a little bit more more common, and uh, and then created friendships with a couple reps from Kawasaki, and uh, and then I became initially I became the Southwest Region Leader. So the the association was broken into uh, it was broken into let's see here eight regions in North America and then one international region. So nine regions total. And I was the Southwest region leader. And so I would host a rally somewhere in the Southwest U S uh, once a year and then did that for a couple of years. And then in about 2011 ish, I want to say 2012 ish, somewhere right around there. Um, the founder of it, uh, kind of retired and basically handed it over to me to take over, which was, which was pretty awesome. And I did that for a couple of years um, again, hosting the, the So in addition to the regional rallies, we would host a large national rally once a year for like or once every other year. Owners. Yeah. For all the owners <laughs> of the Kawasaki Nomad or Vaquero, just their big cruisers. Um, and it was, it was the largest and fastest affiliate club of Kawasaki at the time. Kawasaki sponsored us and supported us. They would send us all the swag for all of our rallies and send out reps to come and, you know, create content during our rallies and everything else. It was, it was awesome. And during that time, I, I mean, I honestly, I considered making that a career path. I mm. enjoyed it that much. Not necessarily. Well, I, I guess I did consider working for Kawasaki. I considered just pursuing uh, journalism within that community. Uh, and that was actually one of the first places I had photography published was through Kawasaki's magazine. Mm. They had a magazine called Accelerate and I would take photos during these rallies and during my own trips and submit them to them for for publication that was some of my first work and that um, a good one of their chief editors came and talked to me and i was just doing cell phone photos at the time and she was like you must have had a really nice cell phone nice cell phone right she's like you might consider getting an actual camera and i was like <laughs> okay why not you know um so this is you know 2009 ish 2008 ish and um, but it was awesome. During that time, I, I rode the whole country. I've motorcycled all 49 states. I've been yes, everywhere yes. except uh, except Hawaii, uh, starting from my house, motorcycling to there, coming back to my house. And none of this like, like flying, flying out and doing a loop and then flying back or whatever. So don't you just feel like it's somewhat of a quitter for not doing Hawaii? I know. If there was a freaking bridge to Hawaii, I would have Hawaii done too. I feel, I feel like you're just <laughs> lighting up because you didn't figure it out. So I couldn't hear... I, all I could think of when you said rally, you guys know this song? Hold on. You're about to hear it. We rally. This is Relax if you've never heard of it. We rally. That's all I could think. Well, you kept saying rally and all. I was like, that song's going to play in my head for the rest of the day. <laughs> I don't know if we have to license that or not, but. It's stuck now in my brain. Maybe we should call it the hat, right? Yeah. That part's yeah. going to be cut out. <laughs> scrap the podcast for us. Well, so I had a question for you in relation to what you were talking about. Is like you said, and you just kind of said it, like it happens for everybody else. Like, oh, you know, I just was in these forums and I started making connection with like some of the Kawasaki reps. And then like I was the, the 
chapter of the Southwest region. Like, <laughs> how did that how did that go from like I'm commenting on some forums online to like the the leaders of a international motorcycle association handed me a region of their affiliates. Right, right. No, it, I think my personality is such that when I'm when I enjoy something, I become incredibly passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was the case with with motorcycling. Um, I was incredibly passionate about it. I was creating websites and publishing articles regularly on miscellaneous trips that I was doing. I was creating content on how to do different uh, maintenance. I built multiple motorcycles during that time. So I would buy a, you know, I'd fly down to Texas and buy a bike that was somewhat scrapped and, and bring it back up and, and completely rebuild it, including like painting it and everything. And, and all of this, I was quite public about, I was sharing it on these mm. forums. And so it just grew a lot of attention. And then, and, um, around that same time, 07, 08, ish, 09, whatever, um, I attended a rally in Southern Utah that had a couple Kawasaki reps out and consciously went to that rally with the intent to to get to know them and just kind of build a relationship a friendship with them and uh, and and did and um, had a great time getting to know them and they took an insane amount of photos of my my custom bike that i was riding at the time this was ironically before the vaquero came out uh and the 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 first big cruiser, the Nomad, didn't have a fairing, didn't have any of that. But when I built my custom bike, I added a fairing to it. I shaved the saddlebags down and did all these really cool things to it. And a year later, the Vaquero came out and it was a candy red, which was the color of my bike. It had a big old fairing on it like my bike. It had shaved saddlebags identical to my bike. How much did they pay you? Right. <laughs> uh, you were the R&D. I, they definitely took a lot of um, interest in the custom build that I built. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if I was to show you the two bikes side by side, you would think they were nearly the same bike. I mean, there's obviously certain differences, but they took a lot of interest in it. So obviously, I just I gained that uh, attention that way. Um, and the Vaquero kind of looks like the uh, Harley Davidson Street Glide a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Has has the, it has the it has the the frame mounted fairing and everything. Yep. Yeah, yeah, super cool. Super cool. Jamie's like, Jamie's what? like, what? Yeah, yeah, more like you said, street glide. More like the road glide, actually, with the the oh, yeah, with the the separate is the handle separate from the fairing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So yeah, that is exactly the difference between the street and the road glide. Right. That's right. cool. That's cool. So that's awesome, dude. And that's and it's like um, so one of my one of my favorite quotes about that kind of stuff is like is. I think people look for stuff that other people value to do to make money. It's like, I'm going to get a computer job, not because I care anything about computers, but because computers is a well-paying industry and like I can do computers and I'm going to get that job because I want to make money because other people will pay for it. Um, it, The the quote says, uh, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Um, And it's this idea that like, like you said, I wasn't doing, I wasn't like doing this stuff necessarily. Like you, you weren't building the websites and building your bike and stuff thinking like, I'm going to get a job doing this someday. And this is how I'm going to get it. You were just like, this is what makes me happy about being alive. Um, and other people took notice of that, which is crazy cool. It's, it's so true. My, again, bring mentioning my grandpa, he's a huge influence in my life. So a lot of my, a lot of things I think about come from my grandpa. My grandpa used to regularly say, I never worked a day in my life because I loved every day of it. You yeah, know, and, yeah. and it was it was so beautiful. And at the time, I didn't really understand what he was yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't really connect with me. 
Um, but I do now. I have a much better understanding of what he was saying. And, and it's it's so true. I mean, even even with photography, what we all do, there's times when it's exhausting. I'm in the thick of the busiest season. I just I just shot a, a freaking multi-day, like 30-hour Indian wedding this weekend. Yeah. I'm yeah. exhausted. <laughs> Which means you have so much time to do a podcast. <laughs> It, it, you guys would be blown away if I told you how much I'm doing this month. But anyways, um, but even at the thick, you know, thick of it, the hardest time of the year um, and, and that, you know, you're kind of you're kind of maybe questioning your motives and the direction that you're going. When I pause and I think about all what I'm able to do, how much I love this, the, the connection that I'm able to have with these clients and what I'm able to provide for them. Um, it's so incredibly rewarding, even at the hardest times. The yeah. hardest times are still infinitely better than going and being bored for 35 years and then retiring, you know? Right. So that then you can do something that you like. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, right. I feel like that's, yeah, right. <laughs> And so many people say that too. I mean, I look at I look at so many. I look at my I look at my dad and a few people who are almost pushing seventy, and they're still doing something they don't like because they they aren't wanting to retire because they're nervous about not having that income and everything else. So here they are, forty years into this job that you know they might like, they might not like. It's not something that they're maybe deeply passionate about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to make that paycheck, and they're so trapped in it. I had another good good friend of mine who was living with me this summer. Who is trapped in HR? He went to he went to college, got a degree in HR, and now he's he hates it and he yeah, doesn't know how yeah. to get out of it. Um, yeah, and being yeah. an entrepreneur, you you learn the skill sets of whatever per, per, whatever field it is, but more importantly, you learn the skill set of how to market yourself, how to how to communicate yeah, with people, yeah. how to hustle, how to systemize things, how to look at what's working and not working, and adjust and make it better. Yeah, yeah. and not take all that personality. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. It's funny. We don't we don't really like program what we're going to talk about with people. We just kind of find interesting people. Um, but it's it's not funny. It's I think it's exactly how it works. People keep like overlapping the same kind of topics in different ways. Like you said, something that one of our other uh, guests, Lear Miller, referred to as like golden handcuffs is like and that's not a knock against the lifestyle of like having a house and having a car and having kids and stuff like that. But it truly is. It is a decision that forces you into a pathway that you will not, I mean, unless you don't, you just want to like go bankrupt or you're able to sell your house or whatever, like it predetermines probably a good 20, 30 year section of your life, you know? And mm -hmm. if that's not what you want to do for the next 20 or 30 years of your life, you can very easily spend 30 or 40 years doing it because now you have to do it. Right. I, I feel real fortunate. I had a, a, a small, that when I mentioned I had a year that I told my wife, let me do this and see what happens. My wife had just um, started uh, her, basically the first job she'd ever had in our marriage. She, we had been going to college and graduate school, and this was the first time she was bringing income into our, into our marriage. And so before I got used, we got used to two um, incomes. incomes. I said, I'm going to quit my job. We're going to live <laughs> off your income for that year, and we're going to see what happens. And, I, and, and I knew that it's crazy, but there's probably no way I would do that or feel as confident doing that if I didn't have that second income or yeah yeah, oh, yeah yeah for sure or something like that because it's terrifying especially when you're when you're a family man you have kids that you're trying to take care of the idea of just cold turkey like <laughs> not having a paycheck is insane it's absolutely inappropriate i don't want to say inappropriate but it's just it's a terrifying <laughs> thing please don't say it's inappropriate because that's what we do <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's literally terrifying. It's, it's it can be. Terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying just like before you jump in the, the deep end of a pool the first time and realize you can swim. It's like when you realize there's a bottom and you know how to swim, it's not that terrifying. Exactly. No, no, you're exactly right. And that's that's why I'm thankful that I had that uh, that that kind of backup because it gave me that confidence. That, OK, I can do this. I can put 100 percent of my time and energy into it. Yeah. If I make yeah. 10 grand the first year, then that's 10, 10 grand. Great. If I make 50 grand the first year, that's 50 grand. Great. It really didn't make a difference because I had uh, because I had a little bit of a, a backup plan. Um, but for those who, who don't have that backup plan, I, I still think it's worth it. I just think it's a, it's a bit more of a of a sacrifice. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's all like, I think that's the thing is like some personalities need a little bit more of a, like, it's going to be okay. Like I got in and made sure it was like that there was a bottom. Uh, I got in and make sure that there were no rocks in the way. Um, and some people just jump in feet first. You know, it's like, I'm, I always tell my kids, this is like, I don't want you to be careful. I don't want you to grow up being like careful humans. I want you to be cautious. I want you to fully understand like at least the extremities or the possibilities of what's involved um, so that you can make a better educated decision. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I've, and this is maybe this a little bit too much of that entrepreneurial spirit. Like I am just like, my mindset is like, what's the worst that can happen? And if I'm okay with the worst that could happen, I'm in. I mean, typically the worst that can happen, you're no worse off than you where when you started yeah. well i so. i just heard this quote the other day and i was like that's probably the best quote i've ever heard about this is they said <clears throat> fear of failure is the fear that you'll end up exactly where you are already it's like wow i've never thought about it in that context is like uh so i'm afraid that i'm going to be where i am now which is i'm perfectly okay you know, you know, it's crazy. I, I posted about this just recently um, it, it, when I was in college and I told um, some of some of the people that I respect at the time that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Because when I first went to college, my college offered an entrepreneurial uh, emphasis. I could have emphasized an entrepreneur, which which is kind of almost a miss. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing to emphasize in college in any way. <laughs> I'm going to. Yeah, you're going to professionally pursue the career of like not knowing what you're going to do. <laughs> But when I mentioned to someone that I that I wanted to do my own thing, that I, I wanted to be self-employed, and I didn't necessarily know what that meant at the time, I didn't I didn't have any direction. Um, I was I got received a lot of pushback from people, yeah. and you know, ten years, you know, fifteen years later, I look back at that and I realize that every single person that gave me pushback is miserable in their job, <laughs> and, uh, and none of those people ever tried they were they were pushing their fear of failure onto me even yeah, though they'd yeah. never even you know if they had tried and failed that would be one thing but they right, didn't even right. try they yeah, just yeah. they just followed the responsible track yeah um yeah. and here they are you know 30 40 years into their career miserable yeah. Um, yeah so it's it's infinitely better to have tried and failed than to not try it at all yeah yeah well and it's i one of my counseling professors yeah. in school i used to talk about like <clears throat> the thing that you have to have in your life is boundaries and you have to understand that like everybody's got an opinion and everybody wants to be the judge. Some people are really horrible judges. So like you cannot take the same weight or the same opinion from every person. Um, I think Brene Brown says is you have to like, she allows people to give opinions about her life who have earned the right to speak to her, you know what I mean? Or who have earned the right mm. in her life and her heart to be able to speak into that is like people, people offer it without any request on your part. Um, you know, it's like 
that's gonna that's you're not gonna be able to do that um and i mean i one of my friends ben hartley he said he'll credit easily credit his success to the fact that when he called his mentor or his his i guess the person he knew in the industry and said this is what i'm thinking they said don't do it you'll screw it you'll ruin it you will ruin you will add nothing to the industry you'll actually damage it by being involved and he was like all right and and because of that he is now like supplying the income for four families you know what i mean B- with his business in the industry that he's becoming a coach and a uh, you know a motivational speaker and it's like so it's just it's um it's it's exactly what you said is they were projecting their fears of what they were afraid to do um onto you by saying and it's and i don't even know why we do that um because it's so weird to see like i'd rather other people be miserable like me than maybe succeed and prove that all my excuses are actually bullshit I don't know if it necessarily comes from a place where they're not necessarily sure that you'll actually be able to succeed, but you know, there, there definitely is this thing about security, right? People want to feel that security of knowing they have a job, knowing they have a steady income. Um, at least in my experience, the people that were concerned for me going out on my own and trying this thing, it was more geared in that respect. Like I put my notice in for my desk job when my wife was nine months pregnant with our second child, like probably wasn't the greatest timing, but I was miserable. And it was, it was one of these things that if something didn't change, then like home life wasn't, wasn't going to probably sustain. So my wife thankfully kind of pushed me. She's like, Hey, you, it's time to quit your job. She's like, quit your job and try this photography thing. Um, and so I needed that push, but like the people around me, it's like, are you crazy? You're leaving this job that pays well to start out on your own. You have, you're going to have two kids. Like, what are you going to do? So for me, it wasn't so much like you're not going to be able to make it. It was more, I think it was more concern about these other people that I'm responsible for and making sure that I'm going to be able to provide and, you know, add to our family in that way. And like, I'm not, I'm not a quitter. So I worked my freaking uh-huh. ass Except off. Except with cigarettes. And, hey, I'm working You're on it a quitter. way. That's what I'm saying. Be a quitter. I am trying to be a quitter. Um, <clears throat> but like I just had to work my ass off just to show that this was the right move and that I can do it. And maybe what my life is, isn't necessarily what those people wanted it to be, but it's, it's what I want it to be. It's what my family wants it to be. And that's all we need. Yeah. I don't need all that other shit. Well, and, and I'm sure Jared just even like pieces and parts of your early life is like, you realized early on that sometimes things aren't the way you want them to be. And when you just get out of that and move towards what you want it to be, like there's something about that, like necessity that all of a sudden you're figuring it out, you know, <laughs> cause like, what else are you going to do? Like I'm mm. when I, when I started doing this professionally full time, um, I had had a number of other sales jobs, but like, I, I think there was a lot of motivations. There was like, you know, I wanted to get married and the girl who I wanted to marry her mom like said something along the lines of like, well, he just delivers pizza. Like, how is he going to take care of you? You know, which is I, now being a parent, I would say 
I would be not even that nice. I'd be like, get the F. What are you? Are you out of your damn mind? Like, come on. But there was something about those kind of things that had stacked up over and over and over in my life. You know, it was like people told me I was I was too heavy to run cross country or they told me I was, you know, I wasn't I was supposed to be a lineman, not a linebacker because linebackers are more athletic and slim. And I was like, well, fine, then I'll just be a fat, mean linebacker like it's just over and over that grinds into me of like, don't tell me what I can't do um, or don't tell me what I can't accomplish. But then on top of that, you know, we just needed it. We had, I had to figure something out. Um, my wife had a decent job, but there was no way we were going to be able to grow from that. Um, and so mm-hmm. having some experience, having some practice in another arena of selling where I didn't get paid anything, I just sold stuff. And if I sold stuff, I got paid a lot. So going over and over and over to appointments where I had no clue if I was going to make any money at all and making money, it was like enough of that practice over the course of a year and a half. And I was like, look, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to come back to this job and do this or find something else, you know? So it was just, um, I don't know. Have you had, have you had more experiences like that from, from coming from your childhood? Yeah, I would say so. I, I, I think, I think, uh, Jamie hit it on the head. I think, uh, the people are just trying to be responsible. I don't think that they're saying these things with ill intent necessarily that, right, that uh, right. discouragement. I, I think it's just there. You look at our parents' generation and they had very specific, um, ways of doing things. And I think our generation's a little bit more liberal and flexible in that sense where, um, you can do what you want to do. You can you can be successful doing a lot of different things. And, and man, the, man, the next generation is really proving. Yeah, that. absolutely. I mean, I have I have a good buddy from college who's who's making millions doing YouTube videos. Millions, yeah, yeah. Um, legitimately. Um, yeah. and, and so, like, that's something that no one would ever even fathom that he's right, doing this. Right. Like, get a real job. Stop making videos. No, and it's crazy. You know, one of the one of the biggest gross th- grossing uh, people on YouTube. You know, the Shea Carl runs like the Shaytards. It's a family up in in uh, Idaho. Anyway, dude, he's the first person who started doing like daily vlogs, and he's just walking around talking to his cell phone and then publishing it and creating a community of followers. Is what he's essentially doing is creating a community, um, and he's done that. He did that for years before they quit, but. Um, but millions, millions doing yeah, yeah, basically yeah. taking out your cell phone. And I don't think that, that those, that, uh, people that give you, you know, that might push back against some of these ideas. I just don't think that they've ever thought of it, that they've ever considered anything other than a eight to five type job. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like insurance, right? As you take on certain liabilities, if you take on more liability, your insurance is cheaper. If you take, if they take on more liability, your insurance is more expensive. If you if your business takes on the liability of like paying you a paycheck, then they don't have to pay you as much of it because they're more responsible for earning it. Right. If you're responsible for earning it, you get to keep more of it. Right. I think I think it's important as well to self-evaluate and consider that anytime you start any business or you're working for yourself, there are going to be times that you have to hustle. You're going to be putting in 80, 90 hours a week easily um, in order 
to get to where you want to be. It's it's almost like a sacrifice what you want now for what you want most mentality. Yeah, yeah, and you, yeah, you really yeah. have to sacrifice those first couple of years. And even still to this day, I'm still growing my business. Uh, and during certain times of the year, man, I, I am literally working from eight in the morning uh, and I try to stop around six at night when, you know, when, when it becomes family time, but I find myself still struggling to, to fully disengage because it's, I am so attached to my business. I am my business. And so right, as I right. see clients, as I see a, a, an inquiry coming in, you know, I know I can, if I respond immediately that the likelihood of that client communicating with me and booking with me increases greatly increases, yes, over yeah. if I wait till the next day to respond. And then, and, you know, five other photographers have responded in that mean, in the meantime. Um, so it, it's tough, but, um, and so, speaking of which, I just got an inquiry while I'm here, on here. Yeah. And, and did you respond? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I should, but, uh, yeah. Uh, but you really have to evaluate yourself and just make sure you're, you're, that it's something that you would want to do as well. You know, I have a lot of good friends who they're very, very happy having like a nine to five or eight to five type job yeah, and yeah. essentially being able to leave at five o'clock and be completely disengaged and come home <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. watch TV and hang out and don't have to think about a single thing until the next morning when they get into the office again. And it goes through my head every year, like once a year, every year, I'm like, you know what? It would be so much better if I just didn't give a shit and I could show up somewhere, collect a paycheck, clock out at five, go home, spend time with my family. I, I feel like, well, uh, well no, I, I can't because I because I actually give a shit about the things that I do. So I, I can't. I physically I can't. I think half the people that are when people are working a traditional eight to five, even during that eight to five period that they're working, they're only putting forth half their effort. If that, you know, it, they sit. Yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're not fully engaged, like you're saying, Jamie, like they're they're there, but they're just a body in a seat, you know, uh, and they're, they're just kind of half asking it because, again, it doesn't directly affect them. They're going to collect that same X amount of dollars now or that same salary, regardless if they give it 100 percent or 50 percent. So they don't have that drive to give it that 100 percent unless they're on that growth track within the business. Right. Well, but even, I mean, and you hear it, it all the time, like even just like uh, giving people a discount or something is like, is like they don't care. It doesn't affect them at all. Like if I give you a $10 off coupon, like that's expired, like I don't, who cares? It's not, it doesn't bother me. My paycheck's the exact same. Right. Um, but those are the things that's like um, you take on certain responsibilities, you get on, you get certain benefits, right? If you're the president of the company, you have a crap ton of responsibilities that people who are working in the mailroom or people who are even interning, like they don't have those responsibilities, but they also don't get paid to ki- to deal with those responsibilities. They don't get paid to handle that weight. So at, what's so this was my thought is like, you've done this for a long time and you've, and you've kind of worked both sides of it. Like, what are some of the things that you would say? To maybe somebody who is who's thinking about doing this, making the leap, um, and and maybe even some advice of like um, course correction kind of stuff, you know, because that's I think I think people assume once they jump in, if they just work hard, 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 they'll get to their goal without realizing that like sometimes your goals don't stay sitting still. <laughs> right. Yeah. I lo- I'm glad you asked that question. Cause again, a really good friend of mine um, lived with us this summer and he considered doing his own thing. And we'd had a lot of discussion on it. I, I personally would say if you're considering it, you need to turn your 8 PM till midnight into your dream job. That's the time for you to pursue whatever the hell it is you want to do. And if you from eight to midnight are able to motivate yourself and get, get things done. 
and you can stick with that for a while, then then you you're, you're good shape. You can do it. That's, that's but if excellent. from eight to midnight you find yourself watching YouTube or whatever and yeah. not working, then yeah. you're not set to 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 be your own employer. Guess what's uh, going to happen when you are, when you are working. working? Exactly, <laughs> it's going to be the same. So so that's what I would tell people is really you find a time in your schedule. Uh, I, I would say you could double your income if you wanted to working from eight to midnight. Yeah. Um, and if again, give that a year. And if uh, if you still love it at the end of the year, quit your day job and, and pursue it full time, yeah. and you will do wonders. You will be an yeah. amazing uh, worker. Dude, that's insanely good advice on so many levels. And I can that's think it applies to my direct situation over the past 10 or 12 years of doing this is like, it, if you can't, and it applies in motivation in general, if like, if your motivation for doing it isn't hard enough to make it through all the times where everything tells you to quit and everything says give up and you're never going to become something, if it doesn't make it through that, then you better not pursue it because it's not really truly a motivation. It's just a want. It's just a fantasy. Um, because it will like, and along with that, um, I would say that if you can in making those things possible is there's a couple things that you have to do to nurse that along. Um, and I, I would prefer to ask you what you think those are for you. What are some of the things that you've done that made that like, I mean, cause I mean, you can be a tough SOB dude and grinding it out eight to midnight and then going to work eight to five is like, that's a long day. That's a lot of work. Right. So, so what should say your question again, then I was just saying like, what are some of the things that you feel like make that possible to do that regardless of how motivated you are? Like there are gotta be some other components other than just like, yeah, I just wanted it. Right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Have there been any other things that you've done that have, uh, have made that possible? Being, yeah. I mean, with, with, within photography, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of patting yourself on the back from other people. Like it, it's kind of a, it's kind of an arrogant, in a sense, uh, industry, because again, I post a picture and I'm going to get, you know, 200 likes in the next hour and a half. And it stokes my ego. And I get people, clients writing me, you know, telling me how much they love their photos and everything. So, so in a sense, I think that that can keep you motivated during down times. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but that, that helps obviously when you're getting positive feedback on what you're doing, it kind of motivates you to keep going. Um, so, so that might be one thing I, I truly love not only creating artwork or photography for my clients, but I love the industry as a whole. I love the networking and getting to know people like the two of you that right there is huge to me. It becomes, I mean, all of my, all of my friends, uh, honestly are within this community. They're my second shooters and, and all of that. And that, that gives so much more value to my life and, and to have that community and have those friends that I can rely on, that I can support. Um, and so that helps me as well, uh, is, is again, it's, it's two levels with my career working yeah. and marketing towards the industry and towards potential clients. Um, what else keeps me motivated during hard times? Well, it, I, I remind myself that it comes in waves. So right now I'm at the top of a giant wave. It's insane. I, over August, the months of August and September, from August one till September thirty, I'm shooting twenty seven weddings. Wrap your mind around that, guys. Good job, bro. <laughs> um, and, and so and I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 insane. I've never done anything like this before. Um, but at the same time, 
um, while I'm going through this, I'm reminding myself that guess what? I have no weddings during the month of December and I'm not going to book any. I'm going to spend that whole month with my family. I'm going to enjoy Christmas yeah. and that holiday season to its fullest, way more than I could at other times. And guess what? I'm financially not going to be burdened because I worked my butt off during these these two or right. three months. And so it helps to remind myself, at least here in Colorado, uh, it's a very seasonal job. I will, I will shoot 90% of everything that I shoot between the months of June and October, July and yeah. October. And so that winter season um, is, is a slower time where I get to um, catch up on other things. And that that's helpful for me um, during this crazy busy time I just again remind myself this is this is seasonal this isn't as busy um, or, or this won't be this busy forever um, and and then also I just it's very very the, the mindset of sacrificing now so you can have what you want most later is very motivating for me it's very yeah. motivating for me to, to think if I hustle both my wife and I are both business owners if we hustle our butt off for 15, 20 years at the rate that we're doing, maybe not even that long. Um, you know, we have, we'll possibly have the means of retiring early. Not, and when I say early, I mean, just enjoy, I don't ever really plan on fully retiring. That mindset doesn't really sit well with me, but we can slow down and travel and really have full control over, um, our, our lives, um, yeah. at a younger age than my parents were able to. Um, and that's again, very rewarding for me to think about as, as well. Yeah. So I don't know. Can, can we take a quick break? I actually have a follow up question to this, but I uh, need to pee. I called it. This dude, this dude. Got, a, got a junior high bladder. <laughs> In his high bladder. No, he's got a junior high bladder. The bladder of like an 11 year old girl. Right. <laughs> well, hop off. I'll, I'll surf the internet. A reply to this this one girl has messaged me like nine times about this weekend so i taught it i taught at a, a ppa event in missouri are you a member of the ppa i'm not i i don't i need to but i don't i haven't joined any any of these associations yeah i i never had been either and this is i told them is like i spent the first decade of my business like building my business and worrying about my clients and how their experience was um, i had no interest in the ppa because i didn't see that as a vital part of me growing a business um, now what I'm realizing though, is what the PPA is super cool is like, we don't really have like a doctor's program where you go get a doctor's degree and then you go and practice and people are like, Oh, it's, he's a doctor. He's certified. Um, I don't, obviously you don't need that to be successful, but that's, I think that's where my, where I am now with the career path, um, that I'm on this point is like my business runs. I know how to do it. I know how to take care of it. I know how to photograph. I don't have to learn how to do bit. It's like, now I want like. I want to go back to school and I want to get like the degree that's like, there's some serious value to learning the, all the different techniques that they put into, uh, or the qualifications that they put into like saying, this is what makes a master photographer. It's like, I, I'm not going to necessarily be like, oh, I've never learned how to use light before. It's just a validation from people who have been doing it for generations. It's like working through the the education and the, you have to earn certain credits to get your certifications and you have to volunteer at certain events. And it's like, I just, I feel like I'm really excited about that aspect of it right now because I want to, um, I don't know, like I want to, I want along with being successful in business to be like, he was a professional photographer. He was a master photographer. He was a master of light. He was a Canon explorer of light, you know, like he was a Sony rep. It's, it's just validation from those in our industry. That's like the next level of 
are, you know, it's no longer about being successful financially or, or being able to do it. It's now it's like the next level of that for me. Anyways, so long story short, I spoke at an event and people have been messaging me all week uh, about, or all weekend about this is what I'm doing. I don't know what to raise my prices. I don't know how to market. I think there's a ton of value. One on one, ton of value in that. I I'm at the same point actually, Chad. I I feel like my business itself is pretty self sustaining. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really have to prove myself to my clients, and I've created good systems where they are very well taken care of and, and receive a very good client experience. I feel like now I I want to validate myself among the community um, mm-hmm. of photographers. So <laughs> there's just so many different associations and you know you have all of these different communities with fearless and ppa and international and all of these different things that it becomes <laughs> to me it almost becomes like overwhelming it's like ah, yeah. What, yeah which one am i going to jump into and and each yeah. one of them costs a little bit of money not a significant amount but enough that you don't want to just throw your money you know blindly at everything um and you want it to be somewhat beneficial. So I, I, that is one of my goals once things slow down this winter is to really look into all the different associations and, and I will probably be a bit more singular. I'll probably pick one or maybe two to, to hyper focus on over the 2019 year, you know, for submitting images for contests and things of that sort and, yeah. and see yeah. where it goes from there. Well, and I found, I think that like some of the reasons I've stayed fresh with my clients or inspired is simply because I do like at least once or twice a month, I do some personal f- shooting and they're not necessarily even for like, I've got this project in mind I'm working on this cool thing. It's like, it's literally just like, I, I just want to shoot things that I want to see how it looks and like, or I'm inspired by this person or I'm inspired by artists. And so it's just like, I've just kind of kept doing that, but judge, I judged a print competition this weekend and they use this like judging scoring system through the PPA. Um, and it was just really interesting to see like, to listen to other people who are photographers and professionals, like what struck them about images, um, what, when they saw a photograph, like how they judged the things that they, you know, the aspects of it, but it's like, man, it was so exactly how people buy things, how they judge things. If the, if the photograph was impactful, all that other kind of stuff was a little glossed over or a little more glossed over. But if they didn't find an immediate impact with it, it was like nitpick the crap out of it based on the technical things, you know? Um, so it was cool. And it's like, I'm excited to see the same thing with sales. I'm excited to see how all that plays out for me and how I've learned and what I can learn from doing the print competitions, um, based on their, on the game that they play. It's based on the scores that they, they decide and how they decide to score, you know? And I've had one of the things that was really fun about that is the, the judges who I, um, judged with several of them entered this competition Um, It was just a state competition, but they were like, you know, sometimes it really depends on the group of judges and how that judge group kind of vibes as to what they kind of push through or merit or award. So it's like sometimes you can award the or you can uh, enter the exact same image in two different categories or two different um, judging competitions. I mean, and one group of judges will really identify with it. Um, And it's like it's the same photo. It's still it's technically really good. But some people just like will emotionally connect with it right away and score it higher. So I don't know. It's, yeah. I just I like playing. I'm competitive, so I like the things like you said. It's like I'm not trying to figure out how to do business every year anymore. Um, so now I'm like, what else is there? What else is cool? I want to get. I want to become a master photographer. Mm-hmm. I want that next to my title. Right. I find I find myself also 
along with doing these competitions or considering these different competitions, trying to appeal to different companies as well. For me, at least, there's a little bit of validation when you know a, a company recognizes you or your work enough that they yeah, would, yeah. that they would want to use it for their own marketing purposes. Um, that's always, to me at least, very very validating. I enjoy that. Mm, for sure. I mean, that's part of what you work for, right? Like, if you use a certain tool. Um, and you really hone your skill set with that tool isn't like you're trying to constantly be better at it in order to one create better photos to give a better client experience to wow the other photographers around you to you know kind of try and get people to take notice so it makes sense that you at some point like everyone wants to feel validated like you've been working for years and years at this craft um, yeah, of course you'd want that. Who wouldn't want that? Um, something I wanted to ask before, like this whole podcast is about, you know, living life on your own terms. And something that really stood out to me a few minutes ago was when you said that you're shooting 27 weddings, you know, in two month and a two month period, which is just crazy to me. Um, but you're doing that now so that you can take December off and just relax. And I love the mentality of like, I'm doing what I don't want to do now so I can do the things that I want to do later. Um, I've actually said that a lot in my own life, but I don't know if I take it to that extreme. Um, you know, I prefer to like spread things out and make my life a little bit more manageable on the day to day. Um, I also plan for through the winter and things like that, because obviously it slows down. It is seasonal. Um, but I think the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that like we can have these options, right? Like I would rather spread things out, make it a little bit more manageable for my day to day on an everyday basis, but know that I'm likely expanding my booking season, um, out, extending that out to cover that. Whereas yours like, fuck it. I'm going to pile it on for two straight months. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to see anyone. I'm like a fucking accountant. Uh, and you know, coming up to April and you're just going to ball out so that, so that you, you can chill. <laughs> so, so you can, yeah, so you can chill out. I love I, that. I actually really find great reward in pushing my limits, whatever it might be. It, it could be with regards to photography or my business. It could be regards to my diet. It could be regards to fitness or whatever it might be. I, I find great, great reward in pushing my limits further than I ever imagined I would be able to do because yeah. I, I feel like that is where real growth is. So Super I've never, happens. yeah, I've never done anything like this. And I have an amazing, uh, I have two associates, an amazing group of second shooters and, and pushing through these next few months and this next couple of weeks. Uh, I feel like I'm going to realize how much my business actually could handle if I want to. It's going to, it's going to open up the doors to more opportunities with additional associate shooters and things like that. Um, so I, I love doing that. I love, I might actually, I was just talking with my wife. I've, uh, and Chad and I've chatted about keto dieting and, and kind of our fitness and health journeys over the last year or two. Um, and that has been one of an incredibly rewarding thing for me to say, I'm going to cut out sugar. And when I say cut out sugar, I mean all sugar, and I'm going to see what that does. And that it just, it, it makes, it, it makes, it, it's very rewarding. It feels good to look back and be like, well, I can do big things. I can do hard things. I can make that happen. Well, yeah. And we were just talking about that earlier. Is like, is, is doing things that you didn't think you could do in small bites over time, 
you look back and you're like, well, what else can, what else can I do? What else am I capable yeah. of doing? You know, it's just why they put, it's why they put a timer on Olympic events. You know, it's like, it's why they put a, a time cap on things at my gym is like, is when you do things and you get closer to that number and you're like, you're at where you thought, like, I'll do that for myself. It's like, if we have a time cap on a workout and it's like as many reps as possible or as many, as many rounds as possible, I'll put a kind of thing in my head. as like, well, if I can get it like, like six, I'll feel like I, you know, like seven, maybe it depends on what it is. Like maybe five or six rounds. I'll feel like I really put in work. And that means I, I know if I push myself to that, I won't be dogging it and just kind of like, well, just until the time caps. But then it's like, I look up and I got two minutes left and I'm like, I can bang out another two rounds, you know? Um, it's, it's stuff like that is so motivating. And again, I think people shy away from it in so many aspects of their life, not just what they do for a living. They shy away from it because it's hard and, but they don't realize that like the, it's not just like rewarding. It's like insanely rewarding. And then Mm. it's not just like, Oh, I accomplished that. It's like, now you're, now you're like, bring it on, bring this shit on. You know what I mean? Like, let's do it. it. This will probably blow your mind, but crazy example. So earlier this year, earlier this year, (laughs) I did a three day fast, which I had never done. Like legit went three days without eating. And I left that being like, dude, I could have kept going. Like I stopped because when I originally made the plan, I had an ending point in mind. And so that's when I decided to stop. Um, But now I'm preparing to try a seven day fast totally crazy and everyone that's probably listening to this has never really researched it is probably thinking i'm nuts um but the science behind it's quite phenomenal and i did it in high school actually yeah so same same kind of scenario we did a 24-hour fast um and i was like oh that was i didn't die and then a friend a friend his name was bob johnson he and i uh and this other kid ricky we were like i wonder if we could fast for a week and we did we all fasted for a week and like it was wasn't torture i mean there was there were points where it was like man i am starving and i'm hungry and everything but it's that mind over matter thing right and just pushing yourself to your limit and knowing that once you're there when you're in that space of like oh my god i'm starving like that feeling will pass and or even you can there there methods to feeding that hunger right like drink a tall glass of water and you feel full at least for a little while and it's just like constantly you come you constantly hit these barriers but if you take it one barrier at a time that back when i when i finished it uh and and i'm preparing for it i'm gonna hopefully do it in november is when i want would like to do it um what it really does is it gives me control over everything I put in my mouth. It makes me realize that I have 100% control over what I eat. And mm-hmm. I didn't, don't think I realized that before. I felt like, um, you know, that, that, I, that there was, I don't know, that I needed to eat every couple of hours or whatever it might be. Uh, and, and again, having that control in my life is, is, in, is incredible. It's very empowering. Yeah. And you leave it thinking that was cool. I could do that again. It's not a big deal. Uh, And and again, like, uh, like Chad said, so many different places in your life, challenging yourself to push it to the limit like that. We we shy away from, but I think uh, that when you are in the process of doing it, that is when you see serious growth happen. Yeah. I think it's it's also like, has a lot to do with your comfort levels on things. Right. And the more you do something, the more comfortable you are doing it more often. Yeah. And you raise that bar so, of like, 
well, I right. couldn't do burpees and now I can do 20 burpees. And then like right. 20 burpees doesn't sound like a lot anymore. So like 60 sounds like it's more challenging. And like, and then your coach or, programs like 300 and you're like, I'm probably going to die. And then you do it and you're like, it took me forever, but I did it. It's the same thing. It's like we did fasting. Um, we've been doing a lot of intermittent fasting over the last couple of years. And just like, re- I, I am the same way. I, I have to understand why I'm doing it and that it's solid, you know, solid structure. And then I'm like, I put that understanding into practice. And if the results are similar to what everybody else's results are, like the results are really great for me, then it's like, well, it does work. Like I don't have to for outside. I don't need any outside like applause or, uh, you know, appreciation or even like convincing. It's like, you don't have to convince me like I'm doing it, you know? And I was like, well, I'm going to do a three day fast. So I did a three day fast and I went to CrossFit every day. And it's like, had you told me or anybody else really is like, usually you think of fasting as like people sitting in the corner, like with the, you know, like a towel on their head or something, or like just relaxing, like being in a dark room, this I'm fasting, like I'm relaxing. Like I went and kicked my butt at the gym fasting on no food, no food at all for three days. Yeah. And I did it three days in a row. And like, I got to the end of the third day and part in the fourth day. And I really, I just ate cause I was bored. Like I didn't eat cause I was like dying. I just was like, well, I'm tired of like sitting at the dinner table when everybody else is eating. I just kind of want to hang out with you guys. So <laughs> there's so, but like br- bringing that back to business, right? You have, let's say two years ago, you did 15 weddings in August and September. Then last year you do 22 weddings in August and September. So to add five to the plate, it seems manageable, right? It's, it's not like when you're going through it, when you've done this hundreds of times, it's not that overwhelming. I mean, Talk to me, I guess, when we'll talk to you when you're like at 50 and see how you're feeling then. But <laughs> uh, obviously, for me, this at least this experience is just helping me realize, um, you know, how much my business can grow horizontally, meaning I can get a handful of associates and, and things like that. And that's something that I'm working on um, doing and, and that I could actually build a business that receives enough work that if long as I have the groundwork laid to accept that work um, and provide that experience for those clients, um, then I could do so. And, and so that's yeah. that's what this is really, really showing me is that, no, I, I, there's enough there's enough work out there and enough interest and enough brand recognition that um, that things can keep growing. I just need to make sure that I can that I can grow with it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and it's like you start realizing like, OK, so I've convinced myself now it's not impossible. So now how do I manage that? You know, it's like I've decided it, it is possible to stay up two days in a row and work. OK, so now I've worked two days in a row. How do I manage that? How do I deal with the other things that are happening in my life because of that? How do I you know, it's like as we it's it is becoming better at being better. Right. It's like you're consistently becoming better at getting better. And so it's it's just a cool it's a cool aspect to realize that about your life because it gives you so much freedom. Um, I just. I've been reading a lot of this stuff lately. Uh, and one of the things that Steve Jobs said over and over and over again about is this idea is like, is once he realized he was going to die and he came, he came, became okay with that fact early on, it helped him to really actually live. Like it helped him to be free of all of the anxiety or worry of failure or what people would think about him. And it, it honestly, I think that view alone probably helped him create a product that no one else, it wasn't even like he thought about it and he was just a genius. He was just so far removed from all the things that normally hold people back Mm -hmm. because he knew he was going to die. He didn't even know that he was going to die prematurely. He just knew he was going to die and he lived his life in in respect of that, knowing that like, listen, 
we only get a certain amount of time. I don't know how long that is. Maybe it's the next two years. Maybe it's the next 30 years. But if that's what's true, we're not, nobody's getting out alive. Like, how do I want to spend my time here? And that's such a freeing thought, like this idea of, you know, well, I've done it before. I did 27 weddings once. And it was like, I learned a lot. I don't necessarily want to do it again. Or maybe I do want to do it again. And what I've learned is like, I did 27 with only three people. We could do 127 with seven people. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's just a crazy reaffirmation that's like your brain just continues to grow and grow and grow and become stronger um yeah that's the plight of the entrepreneur I yeah believe. yeah yeah you never really get you're never settled <laughs> yeah it's like well it's that that idea of creating all the time always building always doing something whether that's scaling or whether that's i mean like i think photography allows kind of this perfect medium for an entrepreneur someone who wants to create all the time because you don't necessarily have to be starting a business all the time, but you're constantly creating new work, pushing your boundaries and what, you, what is capable or what you're capable of with this, with this piece of equipment in your hand. So, um, I don't know. I just think it never really, it never really ends. Does it? No matter if you're an entrepreneur, like it, it never ends. You, you can always just make those adjustments, be like, okay, I was able to do that. Yeah. Let's keep pushing forward. Well, and like you said, what can I do you know, just kind of as a wrap, like uh, all this stuff he's been talking about, it's, it seems like all these conversations do this. It's like we talk and we, it seems like we're just blossoming in this tree. And then all of a sudden it's like, and right back to what we were talking about, <laughs> you yeah. know, as all this stuff comes back to this idea of your mindset is you do it, you're, you're going to do it. You're going to get better at it. You're not letting those things hold you back. Those little things that keep you from the next step. You take the failures and the things that you sucked at at that point and you move on to the next point. And that's transferable across the board, which is I was excited about in this podcast in general is that like, well, you're a photographer, you're a mom, you're a t-shirt designer, you're a, you know, you're a graphic designer, you're a CPA and you're owning your own business. Like all of these values are transferable across the board and they are what mm -hmm. determines whether you will be successful or not successful is like these applied consistently over time, right? That's the, that's mm. the, that's the determiner. It's like, it's not how smart you are, what school you went to, how attractive you are, how awesome your beard is. Like it's none of those things. Um, it's just a matter of doing those things consistently over time. And it's like losing weight. You know, it's not a magic formula. You eat the things that your body needs to, to survive and to gain and, or lose weight. You learn about nutrition, you work out and you work hard consistently at it, you know? So it's true, know, man. It's good stuff. Beautiful thing about the entrepreneurial mindset is that that, really that is. skill set is transferable to, to infinite. Right. You will never be unemployed ever. So it's awesome, man. Well, dude, we really want to thank you for putting your time in. I feel like we could easily stop, you know, start another conversation, talk for another hour. Maybe we'll have you have you on in, again in the, the next season or the next uh, episode in the next episode. Um, no, anybody? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry about the old school rap references. Not really. Sorry. Um, tell us, uh, tell a little bit about how people could find you, uh, what social media channels you're on, uh, what maybe what your website is, that kind of stuff. Cool, cool. Yeah, so you can find me on any social media platforms. I'm, I'm across the board there. Uh, website is jmgantphotography.com and then Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or any of those. If you just search JM Gant or Jared Gant, uh, you should be able to find me. Cool. You planning on going to WPPI or Photo Plus this year? Try and sneak in that MagMod booth. All right. 
Well, thanks again, man. We appreciate you coming on. It's been awesome talking to you and just getting to hear a little bit about your story. And dude, your hustle is awesome. I love, I love that you like to grind it out that way and just push and push and push. <laughs> Don't push too hard because the sex coffee will right squeak now. its way out. <laughs> that whole last phrase sounded way too kinky. <laughs> grind it out, push and push. Grind, hey, Jamie, push Jamie push likes the way that you grind it out. Live the hustle life, yeah. man. I love the way you work it. No diggity. <laughs> and that's how and we're ending And that's it. the end. Yeah. Hey, man, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. Cool. You too, Bye. dude. Thanks for checking out the Goat Rodeo podcast. Please be sure to like and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Goat Rodeo podcast or on Instagram at the Goat Rodeo podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to be notified as soon as new episodes become available. As always, we thank you for your support and we'll see you soon.